Christos Anesti. Anybody know what that means? Christ is risen. We used to say that in the Greek Orthodox Church. And uh, that's the... And then we, then we uh, had this other thing where we took these pink-colored eggs and you, you went and you took your egg and the other person took theirs and, and did like this and see who won, you know, whose egg didn't get bashed in. You know, that's exciting. Don't ask me. I don't know what that was all about. But I know what Christ is risen is all about because that's really why we're here today, right? I, I got a few passages I want to look at today and... And uh, let's, start, let's start with Mark chapter 16. Let's go there first. Mark chapter 16. And then we're going to go after that to Luke and then finally end up in the book of Revelation. So Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought... They bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He's not here. These... Gals, you know, they bought these spices. They, they spent some money to, to go and anoint the body of Jesus. And it was very sad for them what they were going through. But it says it very early on that first day of the week, which is Sunday, they got up and, and they, they did this and they went there. And I, I just want to look at and think about this for a minute. Any early risers here? <clears throat> like half of you. You have trouble sleeping or what? <laughs> it says they got there just after sunrise. Uh, some translations say at sunrise. And, and there's something about sunrise. And I want to make some connections here. So if you're going to follow me through this, uh, I love to watch the sunrise. I think even more than watching the sunset. I, I like to watch both. But the sunrise, there's something about it. Uh, Paul and I, uh, we love to watch the sunrise at, at our house, our Part of our house faces toward the east, and there's uh, you know a bunch of trees there and and railroad tracks and but no you can't really see any houses but but we look out there and we we look for the sunrise. Uh, uh, in Florida, we like to go to Florida and watch the sunrise as well, uh, and you see this kind of a thing in Florida at the beach. We don't see this at our house. But, but there's something about the sunrise, and we kind of search for it. We, if you get up before the sun rises, you don't know exactly where that sun is going to rise, right? Until you see it, and then you kind of know the next day it's going to be close to that. But it moves, you know. It's not always in the same spot. It kind of moves. And, and uh, 
I don't know uh, astronomy that well to know how that all works together, but, but you search for it, and so you're scanning the horizon. We'll be walking on the, on the beach. It's just dark out there, and we just want to see where, where is that sun going to come up? And it starts out as this tiny little dot, right? All of a sudden, you've got, you got to be watching. If you're paying attention to other things, you're going to miss it. It starts out as this tiny little dot, and it grows, and it looks like a fire. Looking at it through the, through the trees where we live, uh, there's no, you know, once the trees all fill in, we won't be able to see it. But we can see it now, but it looks like, with all these trees that, you know, in the distance, it looks like a fire. The, 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 the trees are all on fire. And then it gets brighter and brighter, and you can't, you can't even look at it anymore. Clouds kind of affect it. Some days are, you can't see it that well. It starts to get bright, but it's there, even though you can't see it. And sometimes just the right amount of clouds is that what, what you see on the screen. When the clouds are just right. Just like the sun had risen that day, the Son of God had risen as well. There's a connection I want you to see because Jesus said He was the light of the world. And he rose from the dead. It was brilliant. Look at, uh, turn back to, or turn ahead to Luke now, chapter 1, just a couple pages, right? Luke chapter 1, verse 77. Uh, Zechariah was uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied this and it's about his son, uh, who was John the Baptist, that, that he would be a prophet of the Most High. He would go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Verse 77, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. You see, this is what Jesus has come to do. The, the brightness of His coming, the brightness of His resurrection. It says that He would shine on those who are living in darkness and in the shadow of death, and He would guide our feet into the path of peace. That's what I want. This is a very dark world we're living in here, and, and, and Mark was talking about as well, that, that it's, it's not always easy here. But Jesus said, and we sang it today, whoever follows me will never walk in the dark. That doesn't mean that there's not a darkness around us, but to be there with him, the light of Jesus shining in our hearts. In the book of Malachi, uh, it says this, but, but as for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Don't you love that? The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. This is the sun, not the sun. We don't worship the sun, Right? As much as I like to watch the sun rise, I don't worship the sun. There are people who do that. And throughout the history of our planet, people worship the sun. But we worship the sun, S-O-N, don't we? Because he rose from the dead. 
If he hadn't risen from the dead, it's another thing. In the book of Habakkuk, it says that God came, the Holy One from Mount Paran. It says that his glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. It says his splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. His splendor was like the sunrise. You see, the psalmist said, the heavens declare what? The glory of God. Even in that sun rising, the women, they came to that tomb just just after the sun had risen at the same time of sunrise and, and things changed. It was radical. But it was the glory of God that was that, that made all the difference. The rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Now I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. You kind of see where all this is going uh, as we go there and, and read about the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, does anybody know what the word revelation means? The revelation? It means unveiling that, that, that you can see. And that's, this is what the book of Revelation, it's not just about end times. It's, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling that you and I might see who he is. And so it says here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, that is to John the Apostle, to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything that he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's interesting when you think about it in, in these verses that we see, uh, John has this revelation, this unveiling, this vision of Jesus Christ. Now you and I, you know, we, we think of Jesus and, and uh, we've got this impression in our minds of what he looks like. I want you to think about Jesus for a minute. What, what picture do you have in your mind? You know, there's this one picture that has been kind of like the main picture throughout history. But if you go and look for what Jesus looked like, you'll see there's like all kinds of different, you know, variations. Will he look like this? Some of them are kind of ghoulish looking, and some of them are, are really handsome, and some of them, you know, all these different variations. But the truth of the matter is that there, there isn't a, a, a physical description of what he looked like when he was here on this earth. This unveiling that we see here in chapter 1 is what we have as a a description of what he looked like. Now, the only thing that would come close to it, it says in Isaiah chapter 52, it says that his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. That's the only description of, of how he looked. But, but this was after the beatings, after the, the, the things that he went through before the cross. So he was unrecognizable. He didn't even look, you know, he, he didn't even look like he was a human after what he went through. Isaiah also said this, he said earlier, or, or after that verse, he said that he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, 
There's no beauty that we should desire him. So the, he wasn't like, you know, this really, really good looking guy. He was like a, just kind of ordinary probably. But we don't know. But it doesn't matter. What does matter is what John now opens up before us. And as we see the picture of, of who Jesus is, it will make more sense. And this is the one who we worship. Jump down to verse 17, though, and, and this is where we're going to finish up, but I want you to see the, the context here. In verse 17, when I saw him, that's Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. This is kind of where it all gets to. Jesus Christ risen from the dead and John has this vision of what he looks like. This is what we're going to look at here today. Look at verse 3. It says, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. Don't just listen, but take it to heart, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. The firstborn from the dead, you see. Oh, there were others that, you know, had been resurrected before the resurrection of Jesus, weren't there? But they all died. Jesus Christ came and he rose from the dead never to die again, as we just read in verse 18. He lives forever and ever. And, and as Mark even pointed out in his testimony, that one day you and I will also be resurrected to live forever and ever, never to die again. Jesus, the firstborn from the dead. The women went to the tomb and he wasn't there. Look at verse the last part of verse 5, it says, to him. I love this part. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. To him who loves us. We've been looking at that in 1 John. Again, the same author who wrote the book of Revelation, the gospel of John, the epistles of John. To him who loves us. This guy was the apostle of love. He was the beloved apostle, the, the one whom Jesus loved, and he knew it, and he even puts it now here. To him who loves us. Do we even know what that means? John said in 1 John, you know, he showed his love. The Father showed his love by sending his son, his only begotten son, that he would be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is what he says here. He, he's freed us from our sins. He set us free. And, and, and I love Mark's testimony, being set free. He has set us free. Wow, how? By his blood. But not only that, in verse 6 it says, He has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. In other words, that there's this, this relationship that we have, but he's given us a purpose in life. 
What is it? What does it say here? He's made us to be a kingdom and priest to do what? To serve His God and Father. To, To serve God with our hearts and lives. You know, you and I as, as believers, uh, to, to, to live our lives for ourselves is empty and it's fruitless. But to serve our God and Father, to Him be glory and power forever, that's is a, a purpose. We're not just saved just so that we can get into heaven. We're saved so that we can serve Him and love Him and follow Him and, and be an example and a witness in this life. Verse 7 says that He's coming. He's going to return. From the very beginning of the epistle, he starts to tell us, look, he's coming with the clouds of this letter. And every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Jesus is going to return. Are we ready for that? Are we looking to the sky? Are we looking for his return? Verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and is who is to come, the Almighty. He's coming back. I don't know how much time we have. The truth of the matter is, you know, each one of us has a certain amount of time on this planet. Each one of us has a, a purpose and a plan that God has given to us. We, we are His story, his poema, that, that you and I can serve him. And, and are we doing that? Do we, are we doing that to the best of our ability during this time we have on this planet? I don't know how much time I have. I don't know how much time you have, but, but whatever it is that, that we could use it wisely. Isn't that what he talked about so often in the Gospels? He says, you know, do what you've called to do so that when we get to the end of our lives and, and we're greeted by him, what, what, what are those words that we would like to hear him say? You made a lot of money. Come on in. You were the healthiest person on the planet. Come on in and show, you could lead classes up here. That car that you had, man, even I am impressed, the Lord says. I was out driving the other day, me and Valencia, and we we noticed this car, and we said, what is that car? It was an Aston Martin going down Post Road. Like, if I had one of those, I wouldn't allow it on the street. So we looked it up to try to find, like, well, how much is that car? Oh, it's a couple hundred thousand. You got an Aston Martin, come on in. Well done. Now what does he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what, he's, that's what he says to you and me. Does it, does it make it easy? I mean, is it easy for us to be a servant? No, it isn't. But that's what Jesus came and did. He didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister, to serve. He didn't come to be served, but to serve others. And, and that's what we're called to do. And, and so how much time do we have? And this is what he said. I've, I, I've, I've given you this opportunity. Jump down to verse 12. He says, I, 
I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. Who was that voice? It was Jesus. Now, John, the apostle, he spent three years with Jesus. As I already said, he had this incredible relationship and he knew the love of Jesus in an incredible way. But he's with Jesus in, in, in his earthly body, his earthly form. But, but he says, I turned around to see, to see that voice that was speaking to me. Did he, did he recognize the voice right then? Maybe. He says, though, when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstand was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. He turned around and, and the, the, like he sees this person, this figure, like who is this? He says it was like a, the son of man. He heard the voice and he turned to look. I guess there's a message in that too, isn't there? David Guzik said this was John's opportunity to see Jesus again after knowing him so well during the years of his of his earthly ministry. It's his time to, to see Jesus again. But I think sometimes Jesus is speaking to us and we turn the other way. We just go the other way. Jesus was like the Son of Man in, in all of his authority and glory. In fact, in the book of Daniel, it says, it says that as the Son of Man, it says He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. And all peoples, nations, and men of every language, they worshipped Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is the Son of God that we're talking about here. This is the one that John is now looking at. In fact, Jesus said it in Mark chapter 8. He said he, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And after three days, rise again. This is the Son of Man. This is Jesus. This is who John is now seeing. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. Look at verse 14, his head and his hair. Forget about that picture, as I said earlier, that, that we, we think of when we think of Jesus, that picture that we, you probably have it up on your wall, I know. We had one of those up on our wall at home when I was growing up. But look at the picture that John sees now of Jesus glorified in heaven. It says his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. You heard that voice, but it, it was way more than just what he heard on earth. And in his right hand, verse 16, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face 
was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. That's incredible, isn't it? This is the Jesus that rose from the dead. You know, Peter, James, and John, they, they kind of had a, a, a pre-look when, they, when Jesus was on earth. You remember when that happened? On the Mount of Transfiguration, they went up and they, you know, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and they, he led them up a high mountain up there by himself and it says there he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. His face shone like the sun. This is who, Je- who Jesus is now that John is seeing in heaven. We're not just going to get up there and see the Jesus that we have pictured in our mind. We're going to look and see him, and and it's going to be like mind-blowing to the amazing, incredible degree. Just after the sunrise, the Son of God had risen from the dead. His face is now shining in all its brilliance. Shining in all its brilliance. At the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus... He had, you know, show, he showed his glory there to Peter, James, and John. It says this, it says this, when the disciples heard it, heard the voice from heaven who said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's a message for us today too. Would you just listen to Jesus? It says when they heard this, they fell face down to the ground terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. They fell face down. They were terrified, but Jesus came and he touched them. Get up. He said, don't be afraid. Keep that in mind. Look at verse 17 here in Revelation chapter 1. When I saw him, what happened? I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. That's like deja vu or something, isn't it? That's, that's the Jesus that you and I worship. That's the Jesus that, that, that we respond to. He saw Jesus, and what happened? What did he do? He fell at his feet as though dead. The Mount of, tri- of Transfiguration, it says they fell face down to the ground. Now, you know what? I want to say this because I believe in it with all my heart. FaceTime. And I'm not talking about iPhone. If you have an iPhone, how many of you have an iPhone? You got FaceTime on your iPhone, right? I am not talking about FaceTime on your iPhone. I'm talking about you and I getting on our faces before the almighty, incredible God. You know, that is where miracles happen, people. I testified to it because even in this last week when I had difficult times, I got on my face before the Almighty God and, and things happened, things changed, things, incredible things. God works. That doesn't mean you get down there and all of a sudden you feel this glowing. But believe me, He hears and He sees. And what happens here in this verse and in the Mount of Transfiguration as well, it says Jesus touched them. 
Jesus placed his right hand on John. He says, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? It's the same message to you and I. It's a fearful world we're living in. Fearful bodies that we live in. It's a fearful life. And we need the touch of Jesus Christ upon us. That's what we need. But it comes when we humble ourselves. It doesn't come when we think we're, you know, doing great and we're, you know, all proud about who we are and what we have and all that stuff. When we humble ourselves, Peter said it too, didn't he? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. His message, don't be afraid. Why not? Because we've humbled ourselves and we realize who he is. Look what he says there. He says, do not be afraid. Why? I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. He says, I am the living one. I'm alive. I was dead. He, he, he is the Son of God who was, again, as Jesus told them what happened, he would be crucified. He, was, he would be rejected and punished. But he would rise from the dead. And this is the one who we're talking about here today, the Son who is alive forever and ever, the Son who takes away our fear, the Son who makes life worth living, the Son of God who rises in our hearts. Note this one thing. He says, I hold the keys of death in Hades. He's got the keys. In other words, he's the answer. He is the answer. You know, the other day, I lost my keys. I couldn't find them. I say I lost my keys, but I think it was someone else. Other people lost my keys for me. But don't repeat that. But it, it, you know, searching, you know, I got to find those keys. You know, you spend hours looking everywhere that you could possibly look. But Jesus says that he has the keys. He's got the keys of death in Hades. And in his death for us and in his resurrection, he conquered death and he conquered hell to all those who call upon him. One last passage. I want you to turn back just a couple of pages to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. We've been talking about John the Apostle and him seeing the glory of Jesus and, and uh, the time up on the Mount of Transfiguration and the time now uh, when he's speaking of seeing Jesus in heaven. But Peter, again, Peter was there on the Mount of Transfiguration as well. Look what he says in verse 16. He says, we did not follow cleverly invented stories. When we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. That was there on the mount. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Not John only saying this. Peter's confirming what John has said. 
verse 19, and we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it. Get this, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. In other words, pay attention. Pay attention to what what you've heard. Pay attention to these words, the words of the prophets, the words of the apostles, the words of the word of God. Pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, until it becomes mine. It's just out there. Until the the morning star, the the bright and morning star, Jesus Christ, rises in my heart and I have a relationship with Him, I'm lost, I'm in the dark. But with Him, there's life and light. With Him. Why? Because He is alive forever and ever and ever. Don't be afraid. He's the living one, that's what He said. He was dead, but look... He is alive forever and ever and ever. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of who you are, but but not just who you are, who your Son is. The incredible Son of God whose face was shining like the sun in all its brilliance. And one day we will see him face to face and and we will also fall on our faces again before the risen Savior, the glorified Son of God, Jesus Christ. Peter said, pay attention, listen up. May it May it be true of you as well that the Son has risen in your hearts, that you have a relationship with Jesus, that He belongs, that you belong to Him, and that He is living in your heart. If you don't have that, you can ask for it right now. Say, Jesus, I, I, I'm in the dark. I'm lost. I, I, I'm helpless and hopeless until you come into my life and and bring the light and life that only you can bring. You have the keys. You're the only one that has the keys. Please come into my life. Please come in and save me, rescue me. Lord, for all of us, We're just fearful human beings. We're just hurting. We're just, we're just flesh and blood. And, but yet you've done a work in our hearts, Lord, but we pray for that touch of your hand. That you say, don't be afraid. That you are the living one. You are alive. You were dead, but you are alive now forever and ever. I pray for each one maybe facing some kind of fear, some kind of, horrible situation, pressure, that you know that, that, that He loves you. 
Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Surrender to him. Humble yourselves before him. That's where the word comes. That's where the touch comes. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?